And now, part two of the Discipline of Walking in the Spirit on this episode of Daily Rhythms. So let's recap what we've learned so far from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We've learned that there are four evidences that we are walking in the Spirit. We're able to love unlovable people. We're able to have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. We're able to have peace that passes all understanding. And we're able to have patience with circumstances and the people around us. Moving right along, the fifth evidence that we are walking in the Spirit is that God gives us in the words of songwriter Shel Rogers, the grace to be kind. The Greek word for kindness is a word, which I'm not going to try and pronounce, that means to show tender concern for someone. It is kindness of heart and kindness of act. Kindness is the characteristic that led God to provide salvation for us. Listen to the beautiful words of Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And these beautiful words, which describe God's heart from Romans 11.22. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Providing, provided you continue in his kindness. Kindness leads God to give us green pastures and quiet waters and the restoration of our souls when we're weary. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. It is God's tender care that makes him want to gather us under his wings, to protect us and keep us close to him. Psalm 17, verse 8. Every time Jesus touched a child or healed a leper, he exhibited incredible kindness, kindness of heart and kindness of act. This is the kindness that the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts. What is your response when you see someone hurting? When you see a child in tears because of a scraped knee or a broken arm? What is your response when you see the suffering of someone who has lost a loved one or mourned a broken marriage? I remember when we lost our oldest daughter and a friend came uh, by our house with a fruit basket 
and a hug. She didn't say anything, but I, I remember her handing me the basket and then giving me a hug and leaving. That was an expression of kindness from someone whom I knew to be full of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's small acts of kindness that touch me. There are people who hand me cups of coffee at church, sometimes without me even having to ask. Sometimes I see it when friends take me to lunch or dinner. That is kindness. But we do not always respond to opportunities God puts in our path to be kind, right? There are millions of people in our world who need acts of kindness, small or large. A hug, a kind word, a kind act. When we are controlled by the Holy Spirit, we are moved to perform acts of kindness. But sometimes we can ignore these promptings from the Spirit to be kind to someone, especially if we're tired or busy or whatever. But you know what? It's not good to ignore them, especially if they're coming from the Spirit of God. It could be that he's telling us to slow down and consider someone else's needs above our own. The sixth evidence that we are walking in the Spirit is that people know us to be generally good people. According to Thayer and Strong, in Greek, the word goodness, agathosune, which I probably butchered, means an uprightness of heart and life. When people see our spirit-controlled, spirit-motivated lives, they know us to be someone who would never cheat on our spouse or our taxes, in that order, or say unkind things to another human being, or treat someone unfairly because of the color of their skin or their gender or their lifestyle. In other words, we are known for being men and women of upstanding moral character. People recognize that, right? And they take notice. It is a weighty responsibility to be a good man or woman in our world today, but one that the Holy Spirit enables us to be able to do. And, I might add, it's a breath of fresh air in a world filled with people of debased character. Jesus is our perfect example. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was a good man. He was an upright man, but not a sinful man. We are sinful, 
because of our brokenness and imperfections. But Jesus was not. But what I want you to see is his good moral character on display. And he, my friends, is our perfect model. The sixth evidence uh, that we are walking in the Spirit is that people know us to be faithful people. The word means trustworthy or loyal. People know that people endowed with the Spirit of God, even if they aren't able to put that label on it, are faithful people. They know that when we come to work, we are going to give 100%. We're going to put in our full eight hours of work. We're not going to slack off. People know that when we say we're going to do something, it gets done. They know that when we say we're going to be at a certain place at a certain time, we're there. I don't know about you, but I like people knowing that about me. Not because it has anything to do with me necessarily, but because it allows the light of Christ to shine through me. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, we have the Lord as our example of faithfulness. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Lamentation 3.23 says, Speaking of the Lord, great is your faithfulness. And at the end of the day, folks, don't we want to hear these words from our Lord spoken in Matthew 25, 21? Well done, good and faithful servant. I know I do. Walk in step with the Spirit, my friend, and you will hear those words on that glorious day. The seventh evidence that we are walking in the Spirit is that we are known for being gentle people. But what is gentleness? Someone has defined it this way. Galatians 5, and 23 says that the Holy Spirit works in us to be more like Christ, Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. And part of the fruit or results of that work is gentleness. Gentleness, also translated meekness, does not mean weakness. Rather, it involves humility and thankfulness toward God and polite, restrained behavior toward others. The opposites of gentleness are anger, a desire for revenge, and self-aggrandizement, unquote. Doesn't this describe Jesus perfectly? He says about himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine, I I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
From all I know about Jesus, folks, this is so true. When we sin, he has every right to call us on the carpet, right? But he doesn't. But he doesn't do that, right? The enemy wants to, to shame us, but Jesus doesn't. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is about forgiving and cleansing, not shaming. When the people crucified him on the cross, like a common criminal, Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. John 23:34. Folks, that's gentleness. So when we are empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, we can also exhibit this gentleness. Even though it is so tempting to do so, believe me, I know, we don't have to lash out at people who've done us wrong. Is it really important that someone edged us out of a job or a coveted parking spot? As corny as it might sound, what do you think Jesus would do? I'm not going to answer that for you because deep down in your heart, I think you know. Is it so important that you get the solo in the choir? Let so-and-so have it, even though you know they can't carry a tune in a No, 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 no. <laughs> Let them have the solo. Now, I'm not saying that you roll over and be a doormat. That's not, not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that I can predict all of the situations in which gentleness or meekness is required. But if you're walking in step with the Spirit, you know when those times are, folks. Let's be people who are known for exhibiting the Spirit of gentleness in our lives. Finally, the eighth evidence that we are walking in the Spirit is that we are known for being people of self-control. The NIV Study Bible defines self-control as the ability to control one's own actions and feelings. Have you ever heard someone say something like, I know it's wrong, but I just can't help myself. I know the feeling. A co-worker once uh, bought me one of those jumbo-sized bags of peanut M&Ms, my favorite, and before I knew it, Almost half the bag was gone, I swear. I, I figured, if one, why not two? If two, why not four? If four, why not 20? Now, I'm sure you'll agree that that was a bit over the top, right? But how many of us exhibit a lack of self-control in other circumstances? Only you can answer that question. Folks, with all due respect to Michael Jordan and Nike, we are living in a just-do-it culture with no constraints, no guardrails, no boundaries. In our culture, it is completely normal to have more than one sexual partner, whether that be opposite gender or same gender. I don't like talking about this, folks, but 
It, it's reality. It's where we live. It is completely normal to go on weekend binges of drug and alcohol consumption. It is completely normal in our culture to do and say things that are harmful to other people, regardless of how it makes that person feel. Visit social media and you'll know what I'm talking about. It is completely normal to grab all the gusto you can get in life. All this is rooted in an, in an inability to control our fleshly desires. This is why we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to help us. We need to walk in step with the Spirit. When we are controlled by the Spirit, we are not known for fits of anger or rage. We are not known for overindulging in alcohol to the point of drunkenness. We are not known for people uh, as people of gluttony. Under the Spirit's powerful control, we become people who know our limitations and our propensity toward overindulgence and bring those things into subjection to the Spirit of God. This is only possible when we walk in step with the Spirit. Jesus showed extreme control on the cross, right? He could have called on a legion of angels to come to his aid, but he did not. He subject, subjected himself to the will and perfect plan of his Father. I don't know about you, but I admire that. In conclusion, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is a work in progress. You and I don't always subject ourselves to the work the Spirit wants to do in our lives to make us more like Christ, do we? But that should be the aim of all of us. By God's grace, we are given the opportunity to do so each day. He is very patient with us, and for that we should be very grateful. And I want to make something clear. If you struggle with walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit, and how many of us do, the discipline of lament is so important here. I want to encourage us to get on our knees and lament over our transgressions against the Lord, a holy God. And that's the powerful work of the Spirit doing a beautiful work in our lives. Amen. Before we end today's program, um, I'd like to read a testimony from one of your fellow listeners regarding her experience as a Daily Rhythms listener. This testimony is from Janice in Austin, Texas. Janice says, The Daily Rhythms podcast has been helpful to me in several spiritual areas of my life, including the practice of lament and the appreciation of the solitude that God has provided in my retirement. But the most helpful episode that Victor produced was, for me, the episode of the journey 
of Melinda Lopez through the illness of her son, Eli. Seven years ago, during a period of extreme stress, I developed a problem with my speech. I developed a vocal tremor that interferes with my ability to communicate fluently and effortlessly like I was accustomed to before this happened. My doctor offered me Botox injections into my vocal cords, which I received every eight weeks. These injections worked really well to paralyze the tremor and allow me to talk normally as I had before, and I thanked God every day for these treatments and his care for me. I praised him for making a way for me through the disability caused by the vocal tremor and the frustration and even hopelessness and depression that I would feel when the Botox would wear off and I would struggle again to socialize in person or talk on the phone, which is especially frustrating and embarrassing. About six months ago, the Botox stopped being effective, and I came face to face with the fact that I would have to live with this vocal tremor without anything other than God's help to make a way for me to function. I felt panicky and even like I didn't want to live if I had to struggle continuously to speak so others could understand me. I believed that I couldn't enjoy socializing with family or friends, nor be able to take care of making appointments, etc., on the phone. I remembered the podcast that Victor produced about Eli's illness of bacterial meningitis and the thoughts and experiences that Melinda shared and I listened again to find anything that could help me deeply trust that God would sustain me if he chose not to heal me completely. Some of the words she shared were about, quote, having faith in situations that seem so wrong, unquote. I asked God how I would glorify him if he allowed this problem to continue for me and I felt his response to be that he is using this situation in my life in good ways for others' benefit to glorify him, himself, even if I don't see how or understand his ways. I had other, others uh, praying for me, uh, praying for my healing, and I grew to understand that my healing might be in God showing me how to function with the tremor rather than taking it away. And so, like Melinda, I surrendered to God's path for me, open to accepting how God would get me through this difficulty. There is only so much I can do, and so God has to give me a foundation to go forward. Like Melinda said, quote, it's me and my God. And I said to God over and over, 
quote, I need you, I need you today, unquote. An intimacy developed with Jesus like I had never known before. And each day I began connecting with a piece about speaking that I had not experienced in seven years. I feel I am only beginning to learn how beautiful is God's care for us and his promises of faithfulness to us never fail. He will not let us be overwhelmed, but will make a way. He is truly the way maker. Today, I still struggle with my voice, some days more than others. But I do have days when, excuse me, I do have days when it seems I don't even think about the struggle because my peace and rest are so deep in him that I feel a sense of well-being and joy that overcomes any setbacks or attacks from the enemy to discourage me. Melinda's testimony has helped me, and my prayer is that my testimony of God's faithfulness will help encourage others. No matter what I face, no matter what God allows in my life, I now have a faith that has grown deeper in hope and strength that I can stand against fear and discouragement. I can count on God and others' prayers to keep me secure and stable. Thank you, Melinda, and thank you, Victor, for being messengers for God to speak to me when I really need him. Wow, that was powerful. Thanks for that powerful testimony, Janice. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll see you next time on Daily Rhythms. God's blessings to you all.